services are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. Okay, well, welcome back uh, to a Saratoga-free program. <laughs> I, I, I know we've been going in that direction every weekend, everybody, but uh, uh, it, it, it's over and uh, marvelous meet. But then we jumped right into, you know, Kentucky Downs, which I absolutely, uh, it was hard to keep up with for a couple of reasons. Um they, they had, as you know, it's an all-turf race course, and um, they did have some rain problems. So yeah, they, you know, one day they raced two races and, and then canceled, and, and then that was moved to Tuesday, whatever. It was a fantastic meet. Joseph O'Brien, Aiden O'Brien's son, won his first race there. Congratulations to Mike Maker. He wins, I believe, his fifth uh, trainer's title. And uh, it, it was uh, just when it did get going, and all of a sudden when Saratoga stopped, I mean, boom. You look down there, and it was like all, you know, the, 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 all, the, all the East Coast jocks were all of a sudden in Franklin, Kentucky. But Tyler Gaffleone spent the better part of the meet there and came away the top jock. Uh, this is the Regular Guy Radio Show. Thanks for listening. I'm John Engelhart. It were brought to you by none other than winningponies.com. And Winning Ponies uh, gives you a, a, a pretty good return on your investment and we call these things recent biggins you can go on over to, to the website and, and, and check it out uh, obviously winningponies.com as everything in the world is now.com but uh, you know just uh, just this week uh, at Penn National we had a one dollar pick five that paid over a thousand dollars uh, I think it was, yeah, it was just four days ago, a golf stream at 20 cent pick six. And of course we spread our picks pretty deep, uh, paid over $1,800 and we go everywhere in the middle of the country, the Indianapolis horseshoe, or as they call it, the horseshoe Indianapolis. Uh, we had another really cheap bet, 10 cent super five box paid $1,108. I don't want to spend the whole show talking to you about the successes of Winning Ponies, so go on over there, check it out yourself, and you can catch up with any of the broadcasts that we've had uh, in the past here on, on Winning Ponies. So home in the easy win forms, winningponies.com. Uh, okay, guest. Okay, Check out Woodbine on Saturday. I know this is not a track we go to probably enough, uh, but we brought in uh, Ernie Perry. He, Ernie's been a guest before. Uh, he's just, I mean, he's enthusiastic about the sport, has been his whole life. Uh, he became a clocker 
Uh, well over 15 years ago, he's the head clocker now at Woodbine. So he's seen the majority of the horses we're going to look at race. And I think most importantly for our angle, he's seen him work in the morning. Now, there's one thing about a final time. But the question is, was there a jockey in the saddle or was Santa Claus riding the saddle? We will find out. Uh, from Ernie as far as how the horses galloped out and how they're looking. Uh, I actually noticed that they had several two furlong turf works. I don't know if that's a standard or just something they do for the two-year-olds, but Ernie's the one that's going to tell us that. And don't say I didn't warn you, folks. It is closing in on the Breeders' Cup. It's going to be in Lexington, Kentucky this year at the hollowed Keeneland. And you're probably looking for things to do if you're going to make the effort to come into town. Stop by Georgetown, man. It's easy. It's right off 75. And go to Old Friends Farm. I mean, it's basically a living hall of fame where you can go and visit some of these fantastic retired horses. And uh, Michael and uh, Diane Blowen have uh, put together just an unbelievable program there. Michael's been a frequent guest to the show. I don't need to laud about all the credits that they've done for Thoroughbred Racing, but I do want to find a few things out. And the reason I'm bringing your attention, if you're coming down for the Breeders' Cup, is Michael usually has a big bash at the farm, usually the day after the Breeders' Cup. Good day to get rid of that hangover and some sunshine with a Kentucky Derby winner hanging his head over the, the fence eating a carrot. So uh, we're going to have him update on that. And uh, I had a chance to visit uh, the, the, the Hall of Fame at Saratoga. And progress is moving forward for a Hall of Fame at Old Friends Farm. So we'll be talking to Michael about that and, and new horses that have come and sadly some that have gone. So those will be our two guests. So uh, also big uh, big racing uh, outside of Woodbine this week. Uh, it's Churchill Downs opening day. And we're starting with Derby and Oaks points. That's right. 10, 4, 2, 1, going to the boys in the grade 3 Iroquois Stakes. And the same amount of points going to the ladies in the 2-year-old Pocahontas. Now, the reason they're getting points is these races are not sprints. They're going around a mile and a 16th. So it'll be a good day to see who can go the distance, and you'll find out. Uh, if you're playing the horses uh, down at, at Churchill Downs. Now, don't forget, the action has also moved to Aqueduct from Saratoga. Why not Belmont? Because they're doing construction at Belmont. I think they're putting in like a new parking lot for the hockey stadium or something real important like that. So beautiful Belmont will be preceded by... Aqueduct, which if you listen to most people, is not as warmly embraced as Belmont Park. But anyhow, all the great racing is going to be moved there. You got the Jockey Club Derby, a uh, mile and a half uh, on the turf. And uh, 
you know, this looks like a great matchup again between Classic Causeway and Nation's Pride. And then you got the Jockey Club Oaks, obviously, uh, for uh, ladies. And that's going to go another marathon distance, a mile and three eighths on, on the turf. So don't forget, racing in New York's alive and well. It's just an aqueduct. Don't be looking for the PPs or don't be looking for easy win picks at Belmont Park. Now, uh, the horse has been declared the greatest horse in the world right now. Hard to believe. You know, when you look at the European rankings, there's a lot of names in front of our great horses. Horses that, unless you really follow it closely, you might not know. Well, you'll know this one. Flightline has been named, for now, the greatest horse in the world. And it's just been announced that... We're not sure when he's going to be retired. There's been whispers, and I hope they're more than that, that he's going to return as a four-year-old, and he will be standing at lane's end after his racing career. I mean, come on, folks. The horse is undefeated. <laughs> Did you see his TVG Pacific Classic? I stopped counting, but they say it was 19 and a quarter lengths in that grade one event. Uh, it was... Obviously, they were watching overseas, uh, rated 143, the highest number ever given to an American-trained horse. So uh, hopefully he'll race at four, and when he's done, you can go down and see him at Lanes and Farm. Now, this kind of scared me. It says, Kentucky Derby winner retired. I'm going, oh, no, not Richie. No, not Richie. It's a name that's not going to resonate throughout Kentucky Derby history, um, although it's official because the horse's name is Mandaloon, and this is because of the disqualification of Medina Spirit. So Mandaloon has been retired, and uh, he's going to stand at Judmont. That makes sense. Um, he's a son of Into Mischief. And he was elevated to that win in the Kentucky Derby. That'll always bring you in. And they're standing at a very attractive $25,000 stud fee. Not bad for horse qualifications. So the good news is, Rich Strike, he's alive and well, folks. He just had his first work since the Travers. Uh, that was down at uh, Eric Reed's uh, Mercury Equine Training Center. And then uh, he's probably going to go... Uh, in the Lucas Classic, they, they pretty much uh, have told us that. So uh, good to know that he's back and uh, pointed for more racing. The one thing Eric Reed told me after the race, he goes, you know, John, you know what feels good after not winning the Travers? I said, you got to tell me, Eric. He said, those horses that finished in front of me, they're all being retired to stud. I'm going to be running as a four-year-old. <laughs> So hopefully he'll uh, get back in the winner's circle in the Lucas Classic. Okay, well, we had some meets wind up. And at Del Mar, no big surprise here, a trainer by the name of Bob Baffert won the meet title. Uh, and uh, so, uh, and uh, Juan Hernandez uh, took took the jockey uh, standings Uh Pretty impressively over Umberti, Umberto Rispioli, if I'm saying that correct. And uh, so uh, that's what happened out at Del Mar. And again, Kentucky Downs, Maker 
I got the number wrong. He won his seventh meet title with a record 12 wins and 2.3 million. And Tyler Gaff Leone, I told you those riders were coming in from the East Coast, and they did. He held on, though, and he took his second riding crown. They're hard to get because you don't have many opportunities at the very rich Kentucky Downs meet. No big surprise here. Jockey of the week. I read Ortiz, and it seemed like no matter where you turned your television and your or your eyes at a racetrack, he was winning races between Colonial Downs and Kentucky Downs. He recorded six stakes wins, including two graded wins. So congratulations to him. Something we're used to saying quite often, <laughs> Jockey of the Week. I read Ortiz. All right. Well, those are the biggest headlines. I cannot go over all the race results because there were just too many of them to fit into this time slot. So before we go to break, just want to remind you uh, that, that the head clocker, Ernie Perry, who's uh, really considered the official ambassador, racing analyst for Woodbine Entertainment. Uh, he's going to join us. There's so much to learn about that track. Uh, we just don't cover it enough. Now, by, I just want to let you folks know that these are not some kind of restricted races to horses bred in Ontario or parts of Canada. These are wide open. you got horses shipping in from everywhere, not to mention the hometown boys, uh, but it'll be really interesting. Uh, interesting uh to listen to ernie and we're just gonna there's so many uh really good races on a, on a huge card uh three grade ones and, and a grade two um and it starts early 110 folks set your alarm so with that said i don't want to talk about ernie i want to talk to ernie so thanks for listening to the regular guy radio show Check out winningponies.com and stay tuned because coming up next, the ambassador of Woodbine Entertainment, Ernie Perry, will be with us here on Winning Ponies. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right. I'm not going to spend the whole show uh, t- talking about about Ernie Perry. I'm going to talk to Ernie Perry. Ernie, how are you? Thanks for joining us again. Yep. Everything's fine. Uh, thanks, John. We had, uh, you know, we're tailing into our fall season, so the weather... Um, we'll say in Celsius was 19 degrees. My conversion isn't the best, but, uh, we're, we're having very nice, cool temperatures at this time. Great for European horses as well. Well, you know, so many of the races that you're going to be featuring, at least the ones we're going to be looking at are going to be run on your turf course. Uh, not that you're a media urologist, but how's the weather looking? <clears throat> Fantastic for this weekend. Um, you know, we had some rain one day early this weekend, this week. But for the most part, for the summer, we haven't had much rain at all. So whatever water the turf course got was just from our own irrigation watering system. And um, we're expecting nice cool temperatures the rest of the weekend. Just so you know, I've always been a big fan of clockers. You you, you guys are probably uh, the mystery men. Nobody even knows you're there. Uh, but, you know, in, in in the old days, as I'll call them, I'm a veteran, uh, you had to sit in the grandstand and clock. And yeah. uh, I, I got to be really good friends with Richard Bailey. As a matter of fact, I spoke at his funeral. And he used to tell me a story. Now, Richard was... He, he was still clocking when he was 80, okay? Yeah. <laughs> so he, he had some stories. And he used to tell me stories about guys that come up and gang up on him, like try to block his view or, you know, <laughs> get him get him in a conversation uh, that, that, you know, I mean, I'm talking about Seabiscuit stuff. He, he said guys would come out with horses with four wraps that never ran in four wraps. He, sometimes they'd put, like, another stable saddle, saddle towel on. Did, yeah. did, has it? Has anybody tried chicanery like that on you, or or since you started, has it tightened up? Well, I'll tell you one thing. I am um, every year. I go in the spring a tad early, and every horse that comes on the ground, I put their markings in a uh, binder. So I'll just short form their mark trail trainer. Uh, so every horse on the grounds, we have the markings, and we check you know ninety percent of them when they work. So. Uh, people know not to try anything, and uh, so far we've been so good, and, uh, and nobody has tried anything. But uh, I put the word out that we do check the markings of every horse that works. Well, I, I know Richard Bailey; uh, he would go back in, into the racing office and do the same thing. But he, yeah. but he said he said guys would use friggin' shoe polish to cover a blaze, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. But, but let me tell you, I saw Richard at the window enough that I know they didn't get by him that much. Especially yeah, if Richard, yeah. if That's Richard great. went to the window in two-year-old races, you prayed you were behind him in the press box, so maybe <laughs> yeah. you could peek over your shoulder. But for 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 a short man, he had a good way of blocking you out. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> 
Anyhow, that's my, one of my favorite clocker stories. But so, yeah. Ernie, you know, I, I just br- briefly mentioned, you know, the two year olds and two of the grade ones are are, are going to be are going to be two year old races. And I noticed that uh, a couple of them, uh, particularly some horses that uh, are, don't train there a lot, I don't think uh, they show a two furlong turf work. What's uh, what's behind that? Yeah, so the Europeans, um, for the most part, they don't work, or at least they don't record works. They they, they call them strong gallops, and uh, they get miles under them that way. So they train differently over in Europe. But, you know, if a horse works here or makes time, uh, for example, a quarter time, uh, three-eighths, a half, we, we need to record it. That's for the betting public. That's how we do it in North America. So this horse went up on the turf course uh, yesterday, and, uh, you know, I was told it was going to blow out a quarter, so, you know, we had a watch on it, and just came down the lane, the quarter pole's at the top of the stretch, and went a nice, easy 24-3. and three. Now, uh, one thing Richard always, well, he not always, he taught me early, he said, John, it's not the time. He said, right. first of all, you got to know whether or not that's a jockey, a light exercise rider, or the Prince of Wales up on the back of that horse, you know. Right. So, you know, yeah. big big difference if you got a 145-pound guy versus a 114-pound guy. Um, I guess there's no way you can factor that into your final time, but d- does that resonate back in the mind of Ernie Perry? It, um, you know, it does, obviously, when the rider's on as opposed to an exercise rider. It, it's, it's, it's to me more, you know, the company they work with is one of the big key aspects for me. Um, and just how they did it. It's not a matter of, like you said, the time, uh, because, you know, we have one of the, one trainer on the grounds, Lauren Richards, uh, for me is one of the best percentage trainers on the grounds. And, uh, he doesn't run many, but he's got a great win percentage, and his horses work anywhere from 50 to 52 seconds. So, you know, he might be tougher, you think, to get a gauge on, but uh, he gets them fit other ways. And, uh, you know, as long as they do it easy and they look fluid, uh, that's what we go by. Now, I know for, for gamblers, they look at a raw time. It's tough. You don't know if the horse went in a minute. The horse could have went, uh, you know, 23 seconds early and 27 seconds home. Well, that doesn't tell you much, or that's not the best of all works, right? But I have a little clocker report that I put out every weekend uh, and try to give out some horses that have been working well and, uh, you know, types of horses for people to use in wagers. Well, that's uh, uh, Ernie, uh, do I buy that at the track, or do you have that yeah, online? Yeah, so it's actually uh, free on the website, woodbine.com, under handicapping, uh, clocker report. You can go there, and it's free. And if you do buy the program, it's in the program, about the third page of the program. Hopefully next year we're going to expand it to, you know, include a lot more races. And uh, it's information. So we aim to give information. I I think I've done a good job this year uh, with the clock report. I stick to usually two per day. Uh, Saturday I have four on there because I like the, you know, whenever they show up, I put them on. So, but I aim for about two a day. Um, our Thursday, Friday cards are a bit tougher to, to gauge because there's a lot of low end claimers. So my specialty is uh, first time starters. And, uh, you know, last week we had two first time starters win four to one and five to one. So 
Um, that's the game plan. You use it, you know, for what it's worth, and uh, it's just more information. Ernie, I could talk to you about the art and craft of clocking horses all night long, but let's get to some of these races you're going to have. Half a million dollars on the line with the Woodbine my the Natalma uh, Woodbine Mile, and this race is one for the girls. And I guess the important thing for most of our listeners to note is these babies are finally being asked to stretch out, and that you know provides an interesting concept for handicappers as as far as uh, how how do they finish up now or what happened during the running of the race uh, a particularly interesting race prior to uh, the Natalma was the catch a glimpse was there anything that caught your eye and catch a glimpse the, the the obvious is Cairo consort who just seems to get better times and a little more confidence uh, as the times get as the, the distances get a little bit longer yeah absolutely that's what it looks like here um you know that one surprised me uh i had it a bit longer on the morning line that day it took a lot of money so that's a good sign and uh you know obviously broke its mate in the time before but uh i think you're right this is one that uh, uh by cairo prince that as the, the distance gets longer, this one's going to enjoy more. And you can see in that last race, you know, hit the front and then opened up by a couple of lengths. Uh, the, uh, did did uh, Wickenheiser um, have a problem, or was it just that because of his terrible post position, he was forced so wide? Because I noticed that yeah. he, was the, he was the favorite in Catch a Glimpse. Yeah, that one's maiden win was uh, <clears throat> super, so... That one was just, he was wide, and um, he had a little bit of trouble in that race. Uh, he was a deserving favorite in that race, and uh, you know they paid a lot of money for him, for her, and uh, I've watched this one train for a long time, so uh, she definitely is, is a nice uh, filly, and uh, I expect a rebound in this race. All right, one more question on the Johnny Walker Natalma is uh, the, the horse G. Lori. I, I, you know, uh, you got all the respect in the world for the trainer Graham Motion, and uh, he's no stranger. He he, he runs up there. Uh, he runs yep. just about anywhere. The last place he ran was Colonial, um, and whoa, wake up call. This horse absolutely loved going a mile and a 16th on their turf. Uh, should we keep him in our action? I mean, Graham Ocean seems to have a pretty good record up there. He's batting 22%. Yeah, so you can say that this is the only one that's gone a distance of ground. Um, you know, one by six lengths at Colonial. So the buyer looks a little low on the low end, so you never know, uh, you know, what it had faced or what it had beaten if you're a buyer player. Obviously, Gray Motion is a Hall of Fame trainer that can get one ready, and Manny Franco comes up to ride. So, gone a distance of ground, you have to respect by uh, Oscar performance. Well, uh, you, you've got to uh, uh, think it might be a halfway decent day for Manny Franco because I noticed that all the kind of, uh, let's just say, Kentucky-based trainers are saying, oh, Manny's going to be up there? I'll ride him. Um, <laughs> now, let's, let's move uh, – to the next one that I really don't want to mess, and that's the Million Dollar Woodbine Mile, sponsored by Rico. And this one wasn't any shy at the uh, box when they were trying to attract horses. And, of course, my eye, and I'm sure everybody's eye immediately is going to go to last year's 
Breeders' Cup juvenile turf winner who has only raced in North America once, and it was at Del Mar. It won the Breeders' Cup uh, juvenile turf and seems to be taking the same route. Legendary European rider William Buick in the saddle for the ever-dangerous Charles Appleby. Is this the horse to beat in there, or am I missing something? No, absolutely. Um, uh, <laughs> excuse me. Um, you know, comes here off a second-place finish to Baid, um, which a lot of people expect or think would be the best miler in the world. Uh, and he was right there with that horse. So running grade ones, you know, in France, uh, took, took to the course yesterday for a small little blow of 25-1. and one. Built like a, a brick house, so three-year-old facing older. But, uh, yes, he, he should be the deserving favorite. It's just a question in wagering 11 horses, how, how low of a price do you want to take? Right, and you, you've got uh, several horses in here that uh, have, have raced in the Woodbine Mile before, uh, in, including last year's winner, Woodbine Mile. I just wonder if trainer Brandon Greer is reaching a little by uh, taking the blinkers off a horse that appears to me has always raced in blinkers. Yeah, and, and loves to go to the front. Uh, you know, this horse, last year you could see it maybe coming, took a little money at the tote board, but uh, it has been trading well this year. Can't can't say that it's not, but uh, the last two races have been very subpar. All right. And it, Let's it, it did start a bit late, right? So maybe that has something to do with it, but uh, they have been very subpar. All right. The other horse that kind of caught my eye, because I've seen this horse run in person, is Ivar. Though very interesting running lines in that this horse was, I don't know, I don't know if he bangs himself up or what. He's got sensational times when he's right, uh, but uh, hasn't raced uh, since July 9th in Indiana. But he, he doesn't have a problem facing top competition after a layoff. It would be interesting. I'm guessing uh, I don't have any odds on what I'm looking at. What's Ivar going off at, Ernie? Uh, four to one, I would say. You know, I'm thinking uh, uh, it's between the top two. We had a big scratch in the race uh, or did not enter in the race, actually. Um, uh, Philo Ariana for Mark Cassie. So the way I had it set was that, uh, you know, Modern Games would be favorite, Ivar second, Philo Ariana third, and then there'd be a, a whack between 10 and 15 to 1. So those three would have taken the money based on, you know, buyers and performances. Um, and, you know, I'd love to see more than just one race in Indiana coming into this with my mile, to be honest. But you look at the lines and against the top competition, the horse is always there. But, uh like I said, modern games will be ultra tough. And, uh, you know, like I said, coming off one race in Indiana, it's um, I would have liked to have seen a bit more. Uh, yes. And, you know, what, what can I say? But the horse obviously has latent talent. Uh, it's it, winning here. We'll push it way over. But uh, he's six years old. He's had time to accumulate that. Again, we're talking Ernie Perry from Woodbine, where the racing is just going to be outstanding on Saturday and back to the babies. Now this one, we got the two year old boys and it's the Patterson summer stakes. It's a grade one and they'll be going a mile. And plus Ernie, I need to point out or I need to have you describe um, 
they won't be going around two turns on your turf mile. You have a humongous grass course. Absolutely. Um, the stretch, if I'm not mistaken, is about 1,400 yards, so it's one of the longest in the world. Uh, yeah, they'll be starting at the boxers, but it is a one-turn mile, and, uh, uh, you know, it, it is, it's phenomenal. It's a, it's a great site. Uh, they'll be right down in the lane, and, you know, you get up nice and personally and close to it, and uh, it is a long, long stretch. And that's sometimes a lot of horses aren't used to that, or if they haven't ridden on that stretch before, that that's a bit of a deterrent for them. So that's why we get some good prices, and, uh, you know, sometimes the locals have a bit of an advantage. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a shame there's not more time between your meet and the Kentucky Downs meet because – that stretch is so long, it takes two cameramen to record the stretch yeah. run. I don't know how many times I thought a, I won a race and they're still running. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, my horse gets nailed. Um, but in this race, okay, I'm going to leave the most horse that I like the, the most in here. But the question I want to ask you, just like uh, the, the earlier two-year-old race, probably the major prep uh, for the summer stakes is the – the sore free and uh you've got a lot of horses uh, coming to this race four of them um anything that made you aware i mean certainly uh philip my dear the winner uh looks like it shouldn't have a problem going that added distance yeah he's going to be the tough one uh he weaved his way through traffic in that race and uh he's a nice nice looking horse he's going to be tough um obviously chad brown with the record he has he sends one up here. You know, he, he galloped up strongly after the Skidmore. Uh, had that one at 5-1. to one. Uh, You know, in hindsight, Chad Brown probably take a little more with Manny Franco. But, um, you know, I watched the Mysterious Night race, the last one. Um, this horse quickened so nicely at the end and, like I said, blew out a quarter in 24-3. and three. So I think he should be the deserving favorite. But Philip, uh, my, my dear, is going to be tough. And... Uh, then it's going to be down to a praise. Well, the horse you didn't mention is the horse that I'm most interested about, and maybe uh, they just had an extra uh, space on the flight over, but Charles Appleby and William Buick in town with the Irish-bred Mysterious Knight. Now, hasn't won that much money-wise, but as you know, the purses aren't very big over there. Uh, But again... Again, a horse because of the way they race over there and everything. That I don't think distance is going to be the problem uh, for for this horse. I guess perhaps class and unfamiliarity with your surroundings. Well, what's your read on Mysterious Night? Yeah, so like I said, you know he, he is unfamiliar with his her surroundings, and uh, he had a gallop uh, yesterday, finishing the quarter quickly, but looking at the grandstand, so. Yeah, hopefully he can straighten that act out. But, uh, you know, I think when they come here with, like you said, Appleby, Buick, Adolphin, they're coming for a reason. They did it last year, and uh, I don't see much difference here. I think this one's going to be very, very tough to beat. Ernie Perry, you are a font of knowledge, and uh, you really uh, you represent Woodbine well. So uh, anything you. else uh, before we go that we should know about Saturday's card? Uh, I guess what we need to do is go find your clocker's report, and then we'll find out. Absolutely, yeah. I have four horses <laughs> on the clocker report. 
And, uh, you know, like I said, I, I think I've been doing well. Um, pay attention more to the first-time starters. Uh, you can go to our website. Uh, if I have something on a first-time starter, I'll put it on there, and it's absolutely free. You know, there's other handicappers there if you want. A lot of information there. Uh, like I said, we have the Seaway coming up. It's a grade three. And, um, you know, funny story, I like a horse in there. Hi, Bobby. Unfortunately, the horse has been working well, but now it's going to face stakes competition. And I don't think the horse is up to stakes competition, but that's the way it goes. And sometimes you put those on the report and sometimes you don't. But if it was facing uh, her own kind, I probably would. But we have a good four-pack for the clock report, and uh, you can check it out on the website. We will. Ernie, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we will continue to look at the stakes calendar uh, because uh, I, I really like the, your, your presentation. Of course, the racing up at Woodbine is uh, nothing but top quality. So I, I hope you have a, a, a great day. It'll be a long one for you as the clocker, uh, but uh, greatly appreciated. And I hope you guys knock it out of the park on Saturday. Yeah, thank you very much, John, and please call me anytime. I'd love to do your show. All right. Ernie Perry giving kudos out to the Regular Guy Radio Show. I love it. Now, coming up, my favorite regular guy, if that can be said, none other than Michael Blowen, the caretaker of the elite of the thoroughbred industry and the not-so-elite. Michael loves them all. So we're going to find out what he's doing at Old Friends, what the schedule's going to be around for you folks uh, maybe coming into town um, for the Breeders' Cup. Because I'm telling you, you want to add some cushion on either end. and, and cause, Because it, it's just, there's no other place like it on earth that exists. And you need to go there. But I don't need to sell it. That's why we got Michael blowing on. Take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? 
contact us. Now, back to the show, Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. He's one of my favorite guests of all times. Michael Blowen. Michael, welcome back to Winning Ponies. How are you, my friend? John, what a pleasure it is. What a what a real pleasure it is to talk to you again. Things are going really, really well. They're just capped by uh, being able to talk to you on Winning Ponies. This is really a treat. All right. Now, this is aside from the horses right now, but I got to ask you. You know, you used to be up in Boston writing for the major newspaper, and you were in arts and entertainment. Now, lucky for you, you were back in the day when they didn't make 2,000 movies a year, and we only had about four or five radio, uh, television stations that you might see things on air. Uh, these award ceremonies are terrible. They're bogus, and what's your read on it? I've never heard of half of the movies that are nominated. I can't keep track anymore. I describe myself as a recovering movie critic, you know, one movie at a time. <laughs> you couldn't do it now. I can't keep track anymore, John. It's not, the whole world is not made for people my age. That's all I can say. And, and uh, it is difficult. And it used to be, well, you had the Emmys and you had the Oscars and it was very clear cut and that was kind of it. And then the, the Golden Globes came, and then the people realized they could make money from award shows. So all of a sudden, they kept piling them on and piling them on. And uh, and frankly, I, I was never interested that much in the first place, and I got less interested as time went on. But but I I did get to cover the Oscars a couple of times, and 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 that was fun, I have to say, and 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 interesting. But but now there's so many of them, I can't keep track. I know, and quite frankly, I, I don't want to. You know, I, I see the replay out of the corner of my eye and go, well, it looks like I didn't miss anything. <laughs> Other well, than 200 why movies. Why do you need them anyway? I mean, you don't need them. I mean, people know what movies they like, and they, they don't need somebody else to say, oh, they got the best picture. I mean, who says that was the best picture? You know, so, I mean, I just think it's a, it's a matter of individual taste. Everybody likes certain movies, and... And uh, and I used to get notes all the time, like, I really like that movie you reviewed. Thank you so much. And I got the other ones that said, you understand nothing. You're an idiot. So <laughs> <laughs> sounds like my mail. <laughs> <laughs> I got over it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> oh, the way I am today, I bet my, my thoughts are going one way and another. But OK, Michael Blowen's favorite horse movie. Yeah, well, Silver Charm has always been my favorite horse, but I never got to meet him, John, until he came to Old Friends, and he's in my backyard now. I can, I can look out the window where I'm sitting now, and uh, and there he is. It's unbelievable. But he is my favorite horse, and he's taught me a lot. You know, when when uh, when the horses come here after they've done their racing careers, and in some cases their breeding careers, and in some cases their uh, they're retraining uh, for for event uh, careers, and they just come here. I tell everybody that works here, I go, look, this is the first time that these horses in their entire lives got get to give the orders. So I just want you to figure out what they want and when they want it, because now they're in charge, and we're just taking orders from them. And uh, and so far, that that's worked out pretty well, because most of the horses we have here are really kind and 
and gentle and enjoy people coming to feed them carrots. Well, uh, certainly relationship that you develop a silver charm. I've never seen anybody uh, feed medallions of carrots to a horse from the medallion of a carrot being in the person's teeth and not lose a lip or a nose. Uh, he, he, he loves you. He really does. Well, he knows, you know, I deliver on time. I show up on time with the carrots, and as long as I obey all the rules and do what he tells me, everything works out fine. Yeah, he's amazing. He's just really, really smart. And, you know, we've got the Keeneland sale going on now, and we'll have the phase of Tipton sale coming up, and people come here uh, to visit the horses who have horses in the sale or come to uh, buy them. And uh, the amazing thing is... They can't get over how gentle some of these old stallions are. And it's one of the greatest compliments we could ever get from old pearl friends because they're so, they're so complimentary about how calm the horses are and how sedate and how, how they don't seem to have an aggressive bone in their body anymore. And, and that's a real compliment to all the people that work here. They're just totally relaxed and completely retired. Now, with that said, I've seen it with my own eyes. Uh, well, you had a Kentucky Derby up there who was a bit of a devil that uh, kind of never really lost that attitude of his personality from what I saw. Well, I know you're speaking of war, Emily. Yeah, it took a long time uh, for us to, to deal with him. Um, I was never around when anybody did anything to him that he didn't like. And he was one of those, you know, you think of it, well, the horse didn't like something because somebody pushed him in the wrong way, did this. He, you know, he didn't like certain things if you touched him with your index finger in the wrong spot. He would huh. treat you as if you were trying to kill him, and he would try and kill you. And that's <laughs> the way he was. I mean, he, he tried to kill Victor Espinosa, his jockey, when he came here. Uh, he 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 was very he's very much his own horse. And and over the, over the months and the years that he was here, uh, after we brought him home from uh, from Japan. Gradually, uh, since he knew that he was the boss and I was just his waiter, uh, he eventually figured that out. And I could, after three years, I could put a, I could put a halter on him without him trying to, to kill somebody. And it's not because uh, he's mean. He was mean, or I think "means" are the wrong word to use in terms of any of these horses, because none of them are mean. Uh, what you just have to do is figure out what they want and when they want it. And eventually, with him, it took a lot longer than usual. They'll, they'll trust you, and they'll respect you, and you'll respect them, and the relationship uh, develops, and it's really, really a, a thrill to see it. Well, one of my favorite incidents out at the farm, uh, I, I guess you were out for your morning cardio, uh, was you <laughs> jogging along the fence line, and it was like, it was so cool. It was like he was in a race with you the whole way. He loved it. He was like a little kid. Yeah, so was I. I mean, it was just <laughs> a thrill of a lifetime. I mean, I, 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 I didn't see it when he won, when Wormland won the Derby or the Preakness, but I was there when he lost, uh, unfortunately lost uh, the, the Belmont Stakes to a, to a horse we actually have. We have here, too, named Sarava. Anyway, they're buddies now. They get along really well, so... It's kind of an object lesson to human beings that these horses get over uh, the competition, they relax, and they become friends in their retirement. But, yeah, 
he loved to run. He loved to show that he was the boss. He loved to show that he could beat me every time. Big deal. But anyway, he did. I, I think I've had like 4,000 races with these horses and I've never won one. Uh, but he was, he was an amazing animal. And, and one of the things I learned from him and from Silver Charm and from Touch Gold and Precisionist and Black Dye Fair and a lot of the really good horses we had here is that all these people are going to the sale and they're looking for pedigree and they're looking for breeding and they're looking for confirmation. But if we could ever figure out an intelligence test for these horses, you could go to the sale and find out who the smart ones are, it'd be a whole different ballgame because that's the difference. I mean, let's face it, Silver Charms breeding is not very good. His confirmation is not very good, yet he's in the Hall of Fame. Why? Because he's very, very, very intelligent. And he knows how to race. And he knows racing was not about just going around in a circle. He handicapped his own races. He knew when he could take a breath. He knew what his competition was like. You know, it was like all the other horses were playing checkers and he was playing chess. He's just an extremely <laughs> intelligent animal. And, and that's the key to all these horses' success. They're really, really smart, the good ones. Well, one of the most moving times of visiting old friends in Georgetown, Kentucky, is when you go to your cemetery. And when you walk through there and look at ledges of the turf and look at horses like, who the hell's cat launch? You know, I mean, you've got horses that had great reputations, though some of them were just regional. But I think now this is Rumorville that. Some people are saying there's outside chance that you may even develop a old friend's Hall of Fame. Is that true? Yeah, we're working on it. Uh, we're working on one of the things. We have an old black tobacco barn here, a really nice old barn. And we're trying to uh, we're trying to get it rebuilt and fixed up so we can have some heat and air conditioning in there and some restrooms. But more importantly, that we can have some big TVs and. People can watch the races of these horses, and, and we'll be able to display a lot of the great things that people have left us. I mean, when Bobby Frankel died, you know, I'll tell you a really quick story about Bobby Frankel. We, um, we'd uh, retired a, a one of his great horses named Ruhlman, mm-hmm. uh, R-U-H-L-M-A-N-N. Some of yes. your listeners may remember Ruhlman. He was, a, he was again, like, like uh, Warren, but he was a very, very tough horse, but... He knew his mind, and he knew who he was, and he was very smart. And we just got him, and, and Jerry Moss was uh, donated him to us, and he was really the first big horse we ever got in terms of reputation. And that summer, I went to Saratoga, and I ran into Bobby Franco, who trained Roman, and I, I'd never met Bobby. But I walked up to him, and I said, Mr. Franco, I hate to bother you. I said, I just wanted to tell you that well, you know, we're fortunate enough to have your great horse, Ruhlman, retired at my farm. And he looked at me, and he goes, that's nice, and walked away, totally blew me off. And a couple oh. of days later, he came over, and I felt this tap on my shoulder. I looked around, it was him, and I didn't know whether he was going to say hello or hit me. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and he said, aren't you that guy with Ruhlman? I go, yeah. And he was really sweet and nice and told me all these wonderful stories about about Ruhlman winning up at Golden Gate and all, what a great horse he was, and he thanked me profusely for taking care of him, and that was it. And I never heard anything more from him. Well, unfortunately, a few years later, you know, Bobby died. And when Bobby died, Dottie and Gordo, who handled all his business affairs, called me and said he left you some money. 
and some other things. So I said, wow, that's amazing. I told her, I said, these conversations we had were only four or five minutes total. And that's the only contact I ever had with them. It's really, it was really nice of them to think of us. Well, a month or two later, we got a check for, gee, must have, it was over $200,000. Wow. And it was huge, of course. And then uh, a few months after that, my wife and I were coming up from the movies and we looked in the garage and our garage was filled with wooden crates. It was like that scene in Citizen Kane where they've got all that stuff. And I started looking through these wooden crates and it was virtually 95% of Bobby Frankel's trophies, Breeders' Cup trophies, Trainer of the Year trophies, absolutely unbelievable collection. And so when we rebuild this barn, when we finally get it done, it should be done next by next year. Uh, we'll be able to show movies of these horses and display some of these great artifacts that, that Bobby and, and other great people in racing have been uh, generous enough to, to leave us for display. So I'm very excited about that. That's a that, that's a great great story. And yeah yeah yeah, he, he's a man of few words, but obviously he was listening. Um, now he loved usually, the animals more than anything else. You know, John, he loved his horses. He loved these animals. He loved them very, very deeply. And, and he never forgot about them. And, and I'm sorry. I didn't get to know him a little bit better because I, I think I would have learned a lot from him and I would have enjoyed his company an awful lot, but, but that's the way it goes. But his legacy lives on here. And that's exactly what we're trying to do. We're trying to make it into our own old friends hall of fame. Now, Michael, before we go, I want to get the word out. I know COVID changed a whole lot of things at the farm, but uh, luckily a lot of that's kind of behind us uh, to some extent. Uh, will you be having a uh, Breeders' Cup get-together? Yeah, I'm very excited about it, John. Well, first of all, today we dedicated our Medina Spirit statue, which is an unbelievable edifice, like our Mar- Mount Rushmore out here. Uh, a, a sculptor from Kenya carved uh, a 15-foot sculpture of Medina Spirit out of an old uh, dead sycamore tree in front of the office, and we had the uh, we had the dedication today, and and Bob Baffert paid for it, and it was just a marvelous statue. So that was good. So that kind of opened up our season here, and of course Churchill Downs opened today, and uh, we're really looking forward to Breeders' Cup at Keeneland. And the day after Breeders' Cup, mm-hmm. uh, we have our we'll have a big celebration. And usually, we get a lot of people who have Breeders' Cup horses who come to celebrate our horses that won the Breeders' Cup, and uh, and to see them. I mean, one of our highlights now is Stormy Liberal, of course, who won the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint uh, twice, and uh, and so they come to see our horses have a big party. And that's the that's the Sunday after the Breeders' Cup, and we're very excited about it this year. Well, now, you know, we discussed the uh, Old Friends Hall of Fame. Now, is there any truth to the rumor that, and I know this is down the road, that, that there might be an old farts farm where guys uh-huh. like me yeah. could get, give you my Social Security <laughs> you know, we would get the small apartment complex, and then in, in, in return for our stipend, uh, we would go and, you know, maybe do volunteer work at the, at the Hall of Fame or something like that, because I, I got a feeling that the room there would fill up pretty fast. That's a fabulous idea. I'm not really fond of the name, but 
<laughs> but it's a great idea. Well, come on, and, and it's me, we'll, we'll, John. We'll save you. We'll save the apartment for you right next to Nick Zito, who suggested the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. He's a great conversationalist. You could have put no, me no. Next he, to he'd be he'd be great. We have all his horses here. It's unbelievable. We have uh, we have a whole. We had uh, we had Albert the Great, of course, who unfortunately passed away. But you know, Birdstone's here. We have a lot of Nick Zito horse here and Sun King and and uh, and and commentator and uh, and he suggested the same thing that he he wanted to come here and retire and I told him he's welcome anytime. Yeah, we 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 just got to get a little source, see if there's you know uh, another paddock uh, at whatever farm or regions next door. And like I said, you know, in, in return for uh, n- not only a uh, you know. A, taking whatever they have for the rest of their life. But then he could say, hey, okay, you're here now. Go do some volunteer work. I need somebody to cut the carrots today. And, hey, we'd be right there, you know. So So I couldn't tell you how grateful it would be if you came and did tours because you know more about these horses than I do. And I think people would would think it was marvelous to come and get a – Get a tour of the farm with you. We'll have to make those arrangements. Well, put me down as the curator of the Hall of Fame, and I'll be there for you, my friend. My producer's telling me, you love Michael, but you got to go. Michael, I love you, but I got to go. I hope I see you the day after the Breeders' Cup, okay? I can't wait, John. Thank you so much, and thanks to all your great listeners. All right. Michael Blowing, I'm telling you, folks, it's so easy to get to if you're anywhere in that part of Kentucky. And there's just so welcoming. And this it's a living Hall of Fame. I'm glad they're building a Hall of Fame. Meanwhile, I got to giddy up and go. So uh, I, I want to thank my producer, Josh Bygosh. I want to thank Ernie Perry from connecting us from Woodbine. And always my good friend, Michael Blowing from Georgetown, Kentucky. Don't forget. A lot of great racing. Babies at Churchill. Good luck there. You might get some big prices. Easy win forms at winningponies.com. Bye, everybody. I look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.